Before the scripture is read, I want to uh, share with you that we are beginning today a a three-part series on living invitationally. I want to let you know that this conversation that I want to invite us to come into in the next three weeks has been stirring in me for a number of months, and quite frankly, I've been so anxious to get to share with you because I've come to understand in my own journey But to talk about the Christian life as an opportunity for us to live invitationally is exactly on target with where we are called to be and the ministry of the world needs. And so the scripture that you're going to hear today read, it comes from Luke 14, and you're going to hear in it the word invite happen all the time in the scriptures. So I invite you to listen to how this story unfolds, and as it speaks to you, let it begin to guide our thoughts as today we think about the first invitation. One of the dinner guests, on hearing this, said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and the lanes and compel people to come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. The word of God for the people of God. Join with me in a word of prayer. We offer this time and this worship to your glory, and we ask in the full confidence of your spirit to move, that you would capture my words and our thoughts and use them, grace infuse them, that they might carry us to faithful witness this week. To your glory we pray. Amen. Well, I referenced the dinner last night that we had downstairs and the party we had downstairs, and it was crazy fun, and we'll make more announcements next week about how much good it did in raising funds for missions. But one of the things that I felt when I left to uh, go home is there's no way you could leave last night not really just feeling like you had a great time unless you lost in the auction. Uh, it was just so much fun, and, and I thought about it. it was just a great event to be able to go to and leave just feeling great about the whole thing. I was thinking about that, and of course reflecting on the scripture and the message I had already prepared for today, and how Jesus, before Luke 14, where it was just read to you from, is revealed, he has also been at a dinner party. Now, this is an after-church dinner party, if you will. It's Sabbath day, and he's been invited to go attend a, a dinner, to be a guest at a meal. And so he goes, and at this meal there are all these people gathered together, a rather eclectic group of folks. 
And they're having a good time, and Jesus is having a good time. And in the middle of the event, in the middle of the room, there was a man who, who needed healing. He was physically challenged, and so Jesus wants to do what Jesus did, reaches out and heals the man. Now you would think that that would add to the joy of the moment, but it doesn't. Because in the room there are those who question whether or not that was the right thing to do because it was on the Sabbath. And technically, you're not supposed to do work on the Sabbath. And being technical, they want to say, no, you can't do that. And Jesus said, in the love of God, you're idiots. If you don't believe me, read Luke 14. How's that for getting you to read your Bible? All right, it's a paraphrase. But what he does say is, listen, if your donkey gets stuck in the mud on the Sabbath day, you're going to pull him out of the mud. So why can't I heal this child of God? And you know he walks out with just frustration, like, come on, guys, rolling his eyes and wondering about how am I going to get this across to you, what I'm trying to do here, what I want you to do here. So he goes on and he begins to teach his disciples the fact that he doesn't want them to behave that way at dinner parties. In fact, he says, when you go to a dinner party, instead of fighting you know, to be in a prominent place, to be at the head table, to be near the head table. I want you guys to go take the table and the far end of the room next to the kitchen doors. I want you to humble yourself so you don't think you're all that. Now, if you get invited to come up to the head table, that's fine. But don't sit there and put yourself above over other people. Don't do that. That's not what I'm about. In fact, I want you to understand that I'm here to create a very different kind of party than the way you normally all party. So he tells a story. man wants to throw a party. He sends out a save-the-date invitation six months before. Everyone in that town had it stuck on their refrigerator. He would see them leading up to the, the date of the party. Hey, I'll see you at the party. Yeah, we're coming. All good. And, of course, he sent out the actual real invitation how many ways do you have to tell me to come to a party? I don't understand what we're doing in this world. But he gets a real invitation now. He takes the save the date card down, and then he puts up the real invitation. And now he's got it on his calendar, and everyone's going to come, and the day of the party comes, and he so wants this party to be a success, he sends out his servant to say, I want you to go out to the homes where the people live and go get them. So we got, they go. The servant goes. And one after another, people say, oh, you know, I was going to come, but I can't now. I got all these excuses, and you heard the story, and it really doesn't matter what the excuses were, because you know what excuses are, right? They're ways to validate why I need to do something to make sense of it. So it really doesn't matter what the excuse is, because all the excuses also have the effect of hurting the feelings of the guy throwing the party. So there's something more important than you wanting to be with me, okay. Except that's the way it happened for all of them. So now he's standing there in the middle of the room, set up for the party, and the servant comes in and says, I went to everybody, and no one's coming. He's upset. He's sad. He says, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back out. I want you to find anybody in town who isn't going to be invited to a party. I want you to go out and find the people who are probably never invited to a party. I want you to go to find the people who would never think they could be included in a party. I want you to bring them all back here. Get them all. Bring them in. They go out and bring in a whole group of people, probably a number of folks that the party thrower had never met before. 
And he says, now we got more room. Go get more. So it goes back out until finally the room is filled with all of these people who were joyful, were thrilled to get an invitation to go to a party. And the party happens. And Jesus says to his disciples, what are you learning from this story? Here's what I need you to learn. I came so that people would receive the invitation of God to come into the party of God. And I want to make sure that that invitation list is not narrowed. I want it as broad as possible. I want you to live invitationally in this world. And it begins first by accepting the invitation you've received. Come to the party. Now, there are some who read this story and say, oh, yeah, this is what Jesus is really saying. You get an invite to the party, and you say no to it. Oh, you're in trouble. He says here, you know, those who did not accept the party invitation will not party. Some think that means that you get one shot at it, and if you don't get there, you're not going to heaven, you're not getting in God's party, you've lost out. But I'm here to tell you, I don't think that's an honest reading of the Scriptures. I understand how folks can get that, but as I read the totality of Scriptures, the thing that's so ironic about God is he just keeps coming back over and over and over and over and over and over again, reinviting, 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 reinviting. So on the day in question, there are people who did not party because they did not accept. And Jesus says, well, you know, I'll party with who's willing to be with me today. I tend to believe, and it's my experience of God personally in Jesus Christ, he keeps coming back and reoffering the party again. In this moment, what Jesus is saying this is this. You've got to accept the invitations that I'm giving you. You are in a person who is receiving invitation. Christ is giving to you invitation, each one of you by name. Right now, this day, you are being invited to come into a relationship with Christ and live today in that relationship. Party on. Some of you in this room right now remember the first time you accepted the invitation to follow Jesus and you said yes. Some of you have a very specific moment. It's not the only way to do it, but some of you have it. How many of you have a moment in your life where you say, that's when I first said yes to Jesus' invitation? How many of you have that? number of you. How many of you have it more that perhaps it's not a one-time thing, you're not even sure maybe when the first time was, But over the course of your ministry, your life, you've had moments where you go, I said yes to Jesus then, then I said yes to Jesus then. It's sort of been a gradual process throughout. How many of you have had that kind of experience? Okay. There's not a right or wrong way. What matters is that you understand that everyone gets the invitation. And every one of us, every morning, get to get up and realize the invitation is reissued. You know, I can point to some things I did when I was a junior in high school where I accepted and entered into a more deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. But thank God I'm not living off a 17-year-old's invitation today. It's been happening over and over and over. How many of you woke up this morning giving God thanks for an extra hour of sleep? Amen? Yeah, that was easy to do. Let's do it again tomorrow. What do you think? Let's just declare our own little time zone here at Clarkston UMC. But tomorrow morning, regardless of the time on the clock, when you awake, do you understand 
that you are awaking to an invitation from Jesus Christ. Whether you've received 5,000 before and said yes to most of them or none of them, or whether you've never been aware of one before, you get one tomorrow morning and say, this is the day the Lord hath made, and you get to walk with me in it. How about let me come along with you? Every morning you get that. And if we could say yes to those invitations, how would it change the focus of our day? How would it change the way we see ourselves in the midst of our day? How would it open up our eyes to see what's happening around us in a new way? The first invitation that matters the most to live invitationally is to say yes to the one you've already received, and it's from Christ. It happens in so many different ways. Part of the joy of being part of a faith community is we get to share intentionally in those kinds of invitations that mean a lot to us. Today, we gather together in memory of loved ones who've passed on. And some of you heard the names and didn't know any of them. Some of us heard those names, and we remember very poignant moments. We still hear their voices. But the connection of us to those saints is an opportunity for me to remember every time I'm in worship, every time I'm here singing hymns and praying prayers and listening to preaching and sharing in the fellowship, I'm connecting with the saints who've been sitting in those pews before you got here and the ones who used to sit next to you but aren't there anymore. Because this is worship which crosses all time zones between here and there. When we come to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion in a few moments, you're being invited to receive Christ. Yeah, it's a piece of bread and it's a glass of grape juice here. The reality is, I know it's far more than that. You come up, you are invited to receive Christ today. And as you receive, dip into that cup, I'm going to tell you, I know it so tangibly in my heart and in my, in my life that I watch you come down the aisle and I watch the saints you cannot see coming down the aisle with you. It's a holy moment. Today we get to be invited into that. To say yes to Jesus each and every day changes the focus of that day. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here just to be confessional. How many days do I get through the day without saying yes to Jesus? Too many. You? How many of you can identify this last week? There might have been a day or two or six. Where you got through the day and you never one point said, hey Jesus, I'm with you. Or is it just me? And we wonder where the vibrancy in our life is. We wonder how come we struggle so much to do the thing God needs us to do because we are not accepting the invitation on a continual basis. And we miss out on parties we could otherwise be having and connections we could otherwise be making and witnessing the world that the world needs. Now I want to pause for a moment about how we live out this Yes to Jesus. There are two things I want to tell you. How many of you remember receiving pledge cards in the mail in the last, oh no, three or four weeks ago? How many of you received them? I'm not going to ask you how many have sent them back in yet because I know the number. I'm going to invite you in the name of Jesus to say yes to Jesus very soon, okay? And if you don't know where your pledge card is, guess what? 
We have them in the back of the room for you after you leave worship service over on the welcome table or in the church office. Now, I'm, is that, am, I, am I selling for the church? Am I trying to raise money for the church? Of course I am. Why? Because it matters. Because it's a way of saying yes to Jesus. It's a way, as soon as I make my direct deposit or put it in, write my check or put my cash, however I do it. That's my yes. Every time I do it, I want Christ to be Lord of my finances and all my life. I want you to say yes to the pledge card because I want you to say yes to that invitation from Christ. And I mean that at the depth of my heart. There's another thing I want to tell you. And this week, more than any other week, how much has our focus been on this coming Tuesday? And I'm here to tell you, I know that there are people who are afraid of Tuesday. And there are people who are afraid of Wednesday to come. And there are a lot of us who are carrying wounds and have seen battles occur among family and friends in these last few weeks that I know break God's heart and probably break ours too. I invite you to hear this message from me as I offer it to you. This week, we will make some very important decisions that will impact our future. And I give you this invitation to all my friends who are Christian. Before you are a Christian this week, I mean, before, I'm sorry, before, be a Christian this week before you choose to be an American. Be a follower of Jesus before you act as a Republican or Democrat or Independent. Pray and ask God to help you discern what you need to do and how you need to vote, and then vote. And after casting your ballot, Continue to be a Christian as you await the results. Be a Jesus follower once the results are known. No matter the results, remember that God is still here, Jesus is still Lord, and the Holy Spirit can and will intercede and guide us. Let our words and actions witness those truths. We will neither gloat nor accuse. We will work for reconciliation. We will speak with reason and holiness. We will act with respect and compassion. And to all of my friends here at Clarkston United Methodist Church specifically, we will keep our mission the same, to connect people to people and people to God. This is not the mission that we put on when we come into the church to look all churchy. It is the mission we put on as we go out into the world to serve Christ. Be connectors of Jesus, bringing people together with differences and use the weapons of grace and mercy and peace to do so. Let the church be the place where the love of Christ surpasses all differences we hold. Let our community be a place where we find solace from the acrimony of the world and gain focus so we can enter into the world and transform it one person and one family at a time for the sake of Jesus Christ. Whatever happens on Tuesday, I invite us all to elect to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ before it, in it, and through it. I suggest to you it is the most important election you will make this week. Will you say yes to Jesus Christ and the invitation he's given you today? Will you say yes to Jesus Christ as those invitations continually come in the week ahead? 
Will you let the party of Christ that Christ wants to make possible in your life happen? Today I call us to live invitationally by accepting the first invitation, and it is the one God has given you by name right now. I invite you to accept what Jesus wants to put in your heart, in your mind, and in your actions. Today as you come forward to receive this communion, receive Christ. As you go forth, be the witnesses of Christ in the world. I invite you to say yes to the invitation I make now to you in the name of Jesus. Come. You are invited by name in this moment. To God be the glory. And may the witness you and I give in the world be what Christ needs it to be this week. To the glory of God. Amen.